Hey listeners, Notch here. When you listen to this week's episode, you'll notice that the audio quality on my end is quite bad. Our programmable matter decided to do its own thing this week, and I ended up with a very poor quality recording. You'll notice that Adam and Bill don't have the same issue, so it's only going to be one of the three of us that talks like he's underwater. Now, I hope that doesn't detract from your enjoyment of this episode too, too much, but uh, we'll be back next week when I fully got out of the water, dried myself off, and I'm recording with a real microphone. Thanks, everybody. We are completely disconnected, but we are also together. You know, from around these parts, the Federation mostly collapsed after the burn. What's the burn? The burn was the day the galaxy took a hard left. The Federation isn't just about ships. The Federation is its people. I've always believed that you were out there somewhere and that we were a part of the Federation no matter what. I'm your host, Notch Karnik, and with me in a touching montage of how we're spending time before the next new season starts are... Bill Woywad. And Adam Bowen. Today on Strange New Takes, we're going to be providing a wrap-up of Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery. <clears throat> so, while you're, we're doing that, uh, please follow us on social media, st- at Strange New Takes, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, and... Uh, towards the end of this, we realized that the real social media was in our hearts all along. And so you need to be telling your actual human friends, uh, but not in person, because uh, while I can't say this is 2020, I can say that this is the first half of 2021. So please don't go see people in person. That's a bad thing. So, yeah. Uh, also remember to uh, give us a five-star ratings on, rating on iTunes. Notch will read your reviews on air and by on air i mean in this podcast because on air it always feels like it means live to me and i i don't think it does and we're not doing it live so (laughs) there we go all right all right uh well yeah i i always forget to check whether there are new ratings until you or someone else on the podcast says that so nope not not yet i don't have to read anything today but what i will tell you dear listener is that we're gonna spoil a whole lot of stuff so if you haven't watched the third season of Discovery, first of all, I don't know how you got to this episode first, but welcome. Secondly, you might want to watch that third season before you listen to us talk about it. Unless you like to do things backwards, which I don't know why, but I'm honored that you would give us that much respect, that you'd want to hear from us before you watch the show. So uh, just just know that we're going to spoil a lot of Star Trek stuff, so yeah, uh, and, and we might spoil other things uh, that are related. Uh, we have tried to stay away from spoiling Mandalorian, but I don't know, at some point we're going to have to start doing that too. Anyway, so the summary of season three. I wrote this. Let's see if it works. Discovery enters a shattered hellscape. Burnham fixes everything. They kiss the end. How about that? Pretty good. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. I, I, I suppose that we could have written that one before the season started too. 
Right. Yeah, was that, was that also a, a summary for season two? Yeah. Um, now, this is a little tongue-in-cheek, right? Like, because I, I don't mean to really... I, I said I was going to get over the fact that Burnham fixes everything and I have, but I was too, it was too juicy to try and not uh, refer to that here. But I'm, I'm curious. Okay, you, let's, let's jump into some strange new takes about, well... I don't know if they're new because we've been thinking about them the whole season, but strange new takes about the season as a whole. I'm going to go first just as a little bit of a change. I have a hard time deciding if this is the best season of Discovery, personally. I th- it was very good. I, I generally liked it, but it did have some missed opportunities, I think, as we're going to get to in this episode. And I think on the whole, I season two had some really good stuff as well. So it's kind of a, almost a tie for me. Maybe season three is a little bit better. Yeah. I, um, for me, it was the best season, but if I had to like just summarize it, you know, I would say that um, it's an improvement over the prior work. Uh, I, I do feel like the showrunners and the writers are, were put in this awkward position where they had to kind of, right around the stupid premise that they were given at the beginning and try to fix a bunch of stuff retroactively. Um, but having said all that, I still don't think it's quite living up to its potential. So I hope season four is even better. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, maybe connected to that. So the, I, I feel like Star Trek has kind of, uh, previous to this season and maybe uh, even this this first season of Picard, like I, I feel like Star Trek has went on a way uh, for a while. It was mostly just about like, hey, remember Star Trek, guys? Uh, it was a really cool show that we all loved growing up uh, and watching and whatnot. Like, don't you feel nostalgia when I show you this really big ship? And like, isn't it cool when I see Vulcans again? But maybe this is a bad Vulcan. Uh, like. Season three of Discovery for me felt like we're actually getting into some of the roots of what I want from Star Trek, which is sort of the like, hey, like literally today we're doing some bad things. There are some things that are wrong with our society Mm -hmm. and wrong with like how we interact with each other and how we feel about ourselves. And Star Trek like wants to sort of build a bridge for how to get us into the future and how to get us sort of past a lot of that stuff. And I I feel like uh, just season one of uh, Picard was also doing a lot of that. And I don't know if I can really say that that much about season one and two of discovery, like se- season one, maybe a sort of like, we're dealing with like protectionist cultures. And, uh, what if, uh, your dad has secretly been from a parallel universe and is actually uh, a big fan of Hitler. And so like, uh, and and then we we sort of like threw in occasional uh, jabs at like well uh, uh, maybe maybe the spore network is like oil uh, and environmentalism or whatever but like uh, I I liked sort of character moments in seasons one and two really a lot but I feel like season three is where we're really starting to get into the meat of like what why why are we even making this show yeah. Um, that, that's and, a and great I, that's a great great summary i really 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 appreciated what you just said about the the way that they connected the show with the real world again and and got back to like how the original series had these kind of thinly veiled metaphors for what we were seeing in the world around us i think i want to pick up on one thing that you just shared which is the characterizations in season two i think were stronger i think what i was missing in season three was like i feel like 
particularly with Pike, I really got to know Pike in season two. I feel like with Saru, there was just this deep dive. Even with Burnham, we got these kind of Arium, we got these moments of character building that maybe it was it was how fast season three was. We didn't get as much. We'd get like a character-centric episode sometimes, but I, I just didn't feel like we got to know the characters as deeply. I think the biggest uh, miss, and maybe we can talk about this later, is the Saru misses Kaminar thing. I feel like I felt that more mm-hmm. strongly in season two than I did in season three, which is odd considering how much of a motivator it was to get Saru to a specific place at the end of the season. So I, I, I like how you how you made that kind of a distinguishing factor as well. So uh, with that, why don't, we, why don't we just jump into talking about our in-depth discussion. The way we're going to structure this, we're going to talk about some of the major arcs this season. We're going to talk about what they got right, the missed opportunities, and then get to how where we think this show might go from here and make our predictions that will be probably hilariously wrong. Uh, it'll be fun to play them back to ourselves after we finish season four. So, major arcs. Um, we got a bunch of them. Are there ones that you guys want to talk about first? Well, Notch, how about how about we talk about the burn first? I see you're taking a hard left. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, yeah, the, we we can take the burn. It is first in our notes. I but I was genuinely saying, like, at any point, if you guys want to take tackle a particular arc next, jump we in with could, that. We could go for the fourth item in the notes instead of the first. We could we could switch things up. Anything can go. <laughs> there, there, there you go. Um, so, okay, we started the season wondering what's going on with the burn. Um, we were we're thinking, all we know is that the galaxy is broken. We got, there's a scarcity of dilithium. Mm-hmm. We can't access all these worlds anymore. There's disconnection. And what we ended up with is we're reconnected because we've solved the burn. It came from a Kelpian. And turns out disconnection is actually going to be the entire theme of this series according to the writers do you think that the arc got from where it started to where it ended with a with a cohesive storyline did you did you understand the motivations that got us to the end there yeah i i mean i think it was solid and actually kind of elegant in in some ways because okay so discovery goes a thousand years into the future they have to have some setup, some event that has passed in the future state of the galaxy or, or some set of circumstances that allows the Discovery and its crew to still be relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, in you know, with, with the burn, not only is Discovery still relevant, but actually the spore drive provides them with a unique uh, value. It, it would so, be kind of funny if they had come into the future and everyone was just a ball of energy and they're like, why are you here? We transcended. Like, we yeah, don't right. need you. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're cues now and we don't need you anymore. Yeah, anyway. yeah. But yeah, yeah, keep going, Bill. Yeah, so um, so, th- so they had to do something, you know, to, to kind of set it up that way. Um, and the burn, okay, fine. That I mean, all the dilithium is gone or whatever. Um, I think that's probably as good as anything. Um, and then, they, and they don't just leave it there, right? Then they actually turn that into the whole story arc for the <clears throat> whole first season. And, um, you know, so, it, it, and I think that the way they ended it, 
you know, it was it was kind of a cool mystery in the middle, and and Burnham is trying to solve it, and maybe they didn't take advantage of that as as much as they could have, but I think it was fine, and I think the ending was also fine. I don't like looking back on it in totality. I don't have a lot of critiques. I think it was a good idea and, and decently executed. I think that. Um, for me, it didn't, as they did the reveals and had had the payoff and the conclusion, it didn't always have the kind of like emotional punch or kind of satisfying payoff um, that I would have liked it to have, but I think it was pretty good. I think yeah. it, it, sorry, Adam, just real quick. I think one of the things that it did was it inverted the world of the original series, right? Where we come into the original series and everything is connected and it's all utopian and everything's perfect. This was the opposite of that. Right. Yeah, I, I think for, for me, the, the only critiques that I have of the burn are as, as sort of like a, a story element are are more just sort of in the uh, I'm used to when we're dealing when we're, we have like these big, big world building things like there's something that like literally destroyed everyone's lives in the entire galaxy. Like I there's some part of me that like wants that to have been on purpose from somebody or have mm. been some sort of cataclysmic event that wasn't involved with something. It like it it does feel a bit strange to me that like potentially trillions of people died because like this Kelpian his his mom died. And like I I I I is I can see how it fits very thematically like uh he experiences a moment of disconnection and that's like sort of the entire galaxy can feel that and like gets into that state but um i i don't know that it's like really that serious of a quibble uh on my end it, it also i think touches a basic human need that you're talking about and it, i don't know the writers thought about this actively but that we want there to be a reason for things right like not not yeah, just a, yeah. a, a re, uh, we don't want it to be a random set of circumstances that brought us into a certain state or certain discomfort or whatever we want there to be some purpose some logic mm. and there isn't here and it's going to be interesting to see how the galaxy reacts to finding out that a child caused the burn is sakal going to be some sort of pariah it's like oh yeah this this person like mm -hmm. did all of this so uh, yeah it's going to be interesting to see where they take it from there i think you're right in that the there were some mystery elements initially hinted at there's this music everybody's hearing mm. it where like there's how the burn has to have a cause we need to find it the, the like the flight recorders and this and that and it, it was almost like a battlestar galactica season one season two kind of thing of like apollo's arrow like what does that mean and it never quite got there yeah and i think looking at all of these arcs i think there is a little bit of sense of a lack of cohesion necessarily and it's not like the writing wasn't like tight like there were so sometimes threads mm -hmm. left uh in previous episodes that weren't picked up on and that was that happened a few too many times uh i feel mm -hmm. like the emotional wave was a little inconsistent which i'm curious to see how y'all feel about that in terms of the arc for the empress because Giorgio stepped into the void uh three quarters of the way into the season she's gone now i think when we talked about her presence in the series early on in our discovery conversations there was this question mark of well she's hitler hitler's on the ship or where do we go from here and they based on our conversation of the episode with carl or two episodes of carl she, they de-hitlerized Giorgio. how'd that work for y'all I, th I think it was really effective and i say that because i i want to see her show 
And I didn't really yeah. feel that way like before this season. So, so in, you know, from a practical standpoint, I think it really worked for me. Yeah. Honestly, of like the 27 pitches we've had about like any Star Trek shows, like I literally want to watch every single one of them, but I was not into the season two, like let's all wear like tight leather, uh, and like be making like morally bad decisions to like protect the set, the Federation. Like I, I just was not into what I thought was their sort of launch of the premise of uh, the Star Trek section 31. But I, I I'm into this idea of like, she, she absolutely understands like the value of being completely ruthless about things, but she knows what the problems are and she it's so like she she's sort of gone the full spectrum she's seen people from both sides of these things and like maybe there is something really interesting that only Giorgio can give us uh in a in a section 31 show or whatever it ends up being so like i it it, it accomplished that sort of like i'm i'm into something that i was just almost completely against in a way that i i haven't really felt about other star trek shows yeah, I think that is a credit to the writers. I, I do wonder if we're still going to be, during her show, talking about that initial setup. And, and this is kind of an interesting thought about how, right, something that you do early on in a TV show for a particular reason, for a good reason maybe, can then hobble you later on. So how about how like particular writers need to be about the choices they make so that they leave opportunities open later. But at the same time, you need to give those hooks that can be pulled. Uh, one one hook that I think is still out there but hasn't been pulled is why Book is named Book and not Terex. And uh, first episode, Book is our first new real character that we meet. And I was kind of, I, I feel like it may not be like an explicit arc necessarily. I think Book contributed to various others. But I was, I was curious how y'all thought about Book's development as a character from episode one where he basically is trying to take advantage of Burnham ruthlessly to, you know, being her boyfriend and, like, part of the crew, like, nodding along on the sh on the bridge by the end. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, I, I can see, like, both, <laughs> both Phil and I are making the same face, <laughs> like, shifting side to side. But, like, for me... I at least appreciate that we like there's a reason for him to have been an empath and to not have just been straight up a human, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like the 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 thing that that sort of initially made me confused about Book's character, like he's named like Cleveland Booker, like the most human McHumany say name that I've ever heard. <laughs> and like it's it's just it's weird that that is and also that like he he's not wearing makeup beyond like whatever like beautiful things that he ha he has to do to look uh as as great as he does like every day of his life uh <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure there's like extra eyeshadow or whatever they put on you for for discovery and whatnot but like it like he's he's not putting on seven hours of prosthetics to then uh have in maybe a quarter of his appearances like seven lights appear on his forehead like I, so I, I, I kind of was, I, I appreciated that they, they gave an arc for like, oh, this is why he's not just like a naturalist, uh, that, but like regular human who like, uh, wants to like save the animals. But, um, I, 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 I kind of feel like his character arc still kind of took him from like, uh, sort of a Han Solo-y type thing. Uh, and then he became kind of the accessory boyfriend. 
and he stays accessory boyfriend for a good deal of the season. And then like, oh, it turns out my boyfriend also has magic powers. And that's why we're able to MacGuffin the end of the of the season. Like, I, I don't know if, if I really qualify all of that as like an actual character arc that was coherent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, I know nothing about books, motivations, or what you know what he wants or is interested in or whatever he's just kind of like a handy friendly guy that is there and um and i i do want to acknowledge that like yeah he's an accessory boyfriend and that that's done with women characters a lot mm-hmm. like so it so it stands out more when you see it done with a with a guy but i just want to like recognize that yeah that no that, that's, that's that's a great point so uh, uh it made a uh, mission accomplished from that perspective right right yeah i mean like i i think it it would have at least been interesting it like we've we have had some like naturalist sort of focus at least plot points earlier in the in the series like if we had really had one of those um i've forgotten the name of them but they they showed up again at the uh in the last episode but the 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 space essentially the sorrow hawks the alcohol Gormagander. Yeah. So the Gormagander was what it was. So if we if we had sort of more instances of like his naturalist or environmentalist uh leanings like actually meant something beyond like, oh, let's go MacGuffin my home planet because it's the it's the episode that's about me. Uh like i I just I just I I really like him. I think he he's an interesting character, and I want him to. Do, I want us to do more with him. I just I don't feel like we gave him much of a coherent season. Yeah, I I gotta I I gotta agree, and this is again where I, the inconsistency comes through. I, I was feeling like this guy is gonna really help us learn a lot about the the burn, and you're right. Halfway through the season, he just kind of disappeared and was sitting in a ship in the bowels of discovery. Like, I don't know what happened to his career contacts that he Mm. was helping by like carrying goods or whatever, like the creatures he was saving. Did they all just die because he was now stuck on discovery? Like, I don't, I don't know how all of that went. And I think that the other way you can look at that is there's a lot to go still in terms of books arc for season four. There's he can Mm. go much further, um and and so there's, there's more potential left i guess yeah we, we have the we have the breadcrumbs so so like there, there's enough things for us to go off to give him an interesting season four yeah so speaking of characters and their arcs how about we talk about saru briefly and where uh his arc went because he shows up with the ship in the second episode of the series uh he it, it has to be you it's you, it's you. It's always been you. He takes over the captaincy, and by the end, he's and he's left Starfleet on a re, uh, sabbatical to to go off onto Kaminar. I think I still am having trouble understanding Suru's motivations to, and the tension with Suru between Starfleet and Kaminar. I just don't see it. I I always saw Suru as kind of. A leader who needed to learn leadership a little bit better. I think that was believable that he wouldn't be like Pike in the chair, like he wouldn't be perfect. Mm-hmm. But I think that the 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 problems that they gave him, which which is that he has trouble disassociating from his need to connect with Kamina, I just didn't see the motivation there for that tension. And I I hope in season four we're able to understand further what happened to him during the season three and process it better, because I don't think we did. 
really effectively. Yeah, it, it, um, I agree. I agree. And I think it, it maybe some exposition could have helped or if there was a scene where Saru is confiding in someone and he's like, you know, I'm so lonely or, you know, or something like that. I, I think <laughs> yeah. seriously, you know, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Um, I maybe, maybe could have helped. Um, but you know, the, the real answer is that they just needed to make room for Burnham to be captain. Right. And yeah, do right. it in a way that doesn't totally defame Saru and, you know, allows him to ha- kind of have a graceful out. Yeah, and I do yeah. wonder if, if if a love story might have been the vehicle for that more emotional exposition, where if he had with the Navaran person, or if there was some Skelpian in, in the new Starfleet that he meets, and they, they go on a few dates in the bar or whatever, and he's able to talk about his curiosity. Just I feel like we got that in season two, where his entire quarters is basically like Kaminar. And then mm. you see so much of that. And I think the writers kind of assume that we had that all in mind. And it's it was a while between when I watched season two and season three. And I just didn't have that link anymore. And it wasn't made explicit at any point. Yeah, and and especially because uh, it, it, it this seemed like a weird season to deal with this. Because he's also, like, he now, the Kaminar was part of the Federation. So, like, there are lots of Kelpians that are out in the galaxy, presumably, that have been, like, spacefaring and whatnot. So, like, in, in, a, in a way, he's not alone anymore in Season 3 when he was in Seasons 1 and 2, except for the very end of Season 2 where, like, they now can help out and whatnot. Like, we've freed them from the, from the Ba'ul. Like, it's... Like, it, it kind of felt to me like a... Um, kind of a lame thing of, uh, like, we, we need to get, get rid of him somehow. What's the thing that we know about Saru? Uh, he's Kelpian or whatever. It it it, it feels feels like uh, it feels like if you had uh, like you have you have uh, in a in a, another TV show where they're all humans or whatever. Like you have someone who is uh, who is from Mexico or whatever, and they've never mentioned it except for like a couple of times, and then like all of a sudden we have to have an arc where like they just go back to Mexico and then we never see them ever again, and it, because they need to like connect to their roots. Like I, I like I get that people that like there's a reason to want to reconnect with your roots, but like it's a, um, we we haven't had that really drilled into us, so it it just kind of a lazy feeling arc for me. And I, I, again, I, I I'm gonna sound like a little bit of a broken record, but I think there was some cohesion issues where in the end it's not his the the questions about his captaincy that really come into mind. And it makes me wonder like why that was even needed. And perhaps it is so that the viewer feels even better about Burnham taking over. But I I really thought that that wasn't needed. And for a beloved character like Saru, I thought it just did. It it just cast a little bit of a shadow to see him struggle and be like flail about a little bit um, and and have, and have his captaincy be questioned by Burnham. Um, in the way well, that and, it was. and I guess if we were like at least from my expectation from uh, his arc in season two where he's he goes th- he goes through Vahare and now like doesn't feel the fear that he used to like I th- I would have thought that his captaincy would have explored that a bit more like maybe he is yeah. much more comfortable making extremely scary uh, like orders and and decisions with th- things that the uh, that the humans wouldn't be com- comfortable with because they they aren't uh they haven't like 
sort of had that transformation in their own lives. But we we didn't really explore that. We still we ha- we got like he still Googled himself a few t- a few more times, uh, and then hey Liz like, Lemon, can I go Google myself in your office? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, it, it's, so so like we got we did get some great Captain moments f- from him, but it, it's I I don't know that we had a sort of an interesting development of him. In a, in a way that sort yeah. of like drew, draws a line from seasons one to one to two to three. So let's let's now jump into talk about Burnham, because um, that is an arc uh, that we need to also take stock of. I think we talked about this a little bit last week. Bill, you had said that they had this kind of tendency to have Burnham have a fall, and and she goes backwards and then comes back, and and that's happened a few times. Um, I had actually put this into the missed opportunity section because I really think that they missed the opportunity to show Burnham as a competent competent leader from the get-go who has learned from the two other major mistakes she's made in season one and season two um, and that she is now someone who doesn't need to kind of, you know, desperately convince people to like do something and then they turn her down and she just goes renegade or whatever, you know, like she'd mm-hmm. spent a year in the burn times and she should have just been like you could have even had her be like counselor to Suru because there was that earlier thing about her like doubt in whether she can be a Starfleet person anymore uh, her mother had to take care of that I don't have a necessarily an issue with that but maybe she could have been she and Book could have been off operating on their own helping Saru and Discovery uh, take care of things uh, for lack of a better word, they can operate outside, and maybe you know the Empress could have been another link in that. And then at the end, basically, the, the realization is Burnham has developed so much leadership skill that of course she should take over. She is the natural person who understands these times best, and is is a natural leader. And we didn't get that. And and I'm, I am I am still disappointed by that that Burnham had to go on this journey of being a renegade and like kicked around before she was really respected. If that makes sense. I didn't think that was yeah. necessary. Yeah. I mean, the the situation where you have two kind of co-equal potential captains is kind of awkward, especially when we're supposed to like them both, right? If you have one that's really a bad guy or Captain Jellicoe or something, then it's easy. Um, so, yeah, I th- you know, it, it would have been cool. And, and it actually kind of had this flavor when Burnham comes back on the discovery she's been in the future for a year. And what if she was all like cool and like black leather jacket Burnham and and she actually was kind of like that. But then there were then they had to do all this weird stuff where she again reverts and and goes rogue and has to get punished for it and whatever. Um, yeah. yeah, like I I could have invi- I could have seen a, a version of Burnham where so she's learned a whole bunch and she's she has lots of pieces that she's trying to put into place. And when Discovery arrives, it's sort of an inconvenient time for her to become captain because she's sort of like, hey, I've got all these these plates spinning. I need to be working on these sorts of relationships and, and mm-hmm. focusing on the burn. So I can't right now uh, take up any leadership capacity. But we still we can still have like a competent, useful Burnham. Whereas, yeah, I, I, I really don't see the reason for us doing the full regression. Maybe it's we do it because we really want people to not have to watch the first two seasons. So like we, we do need to sort of see the full range of her character in this one season, because we're going to, we need to do it all in all in one go. But yeah. it's, I, that, that feels like the only argument for uh, 
sort of taking her down into the depths that we did because it, it was the exact same mistakes that she's been making the whole time. Right. And it didn't serve necessarily a purpose in the plot. Like, it, no, I, where I think we you, started you in the beginning, we could have ended her character in the chair based on that. We didn't, we didn't yeah. get anywhere. Right. Now, we did get somewhere with the Federation and the chain and their relationship. Um, we started off with learning that the, that the Starfleet's in hiding, the Federation is in hiding, and where the line between Starfleet and the Federation begins and ends is very unclear at the moment because you got the Earth's defense force on Earth. We ended with our crew being a part of the Federation, the chain on the it, what crumbling or in a downward spiral, essentially, with their leadership hobbled. What, what was your thoughts on where we started and where we ended? Did it did it go where you thought it was going to go, or did 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 it take some unexpected turns? I mean, from from the setup of how how we started, I I assumed that the twist was going to be that the Federation is bad. We we've had uh, mentions of the Vidrash, uh, uh, both in um, I always forget the name of the, the yeah in the short trek and then in uh, uh with um season or episode two we had uh uh the bad con yeah sorry <laughs> he he mentions uh the the Vidrash again. But it, we never ever talk about like is the Vidrash like is that the current Federation or is there a splinter of them? We we didn't and I mean maybe this is a season four or season five kind of thing, but like it's I it's we've had mentions of like rogue Starfleet ships and whatnot, but we've never seen one in this season. And so like it, weirdly for me, the unexpected thing was that we went to back to basically exactly the Federation that we left. And even better than it was in Picard. So, yeah, I I think that would be really cool to explore in season four. I know Emily would like, totally disagree with me, but she's not here. So, <laughs> <laughs> as, I think as long as it's not as like maybe we can just find them as some other part, a splinter faction or whatever that's not. Yeah, associated. yeah, I think because yeah. I, I yeah. think it's. I mean, so we were talking about how you know at its core, Star Trek is about allegory, you know, with modern society and politics and societal challenges and whatever, and. Uh, you know, they, I, they, they've they've kind of tiptoed into this a little bit, but I think kind of examining what happens when the Federation is put under stress and, um, you know, has to really defend its ideals in challenging times and maybe some elements within it decide not to, <laughs> um, how it responds and how it reacts. I think that's really interesting. And I, I think they, they, yeah, tiptoed around that a little bit but haven't really done it justice so i think you know having them you know the, and and just to go in universe for a minute i mean this is something that they would have to do next is you know reach out to uh lieutenant sahil and and all the other splinters that are out there that have been disconnected and, and bring them back into the fold and yeah. one could imagine that some of those groups may have become bad guys that's actually a great point because that's I feel like in the first few episodes that we were, we were expending a lot of energy talking about those splinter groups and that just completely went away by the end uh, in terms of the conversation. I think one of the things that made that change for us is that the emergence of the big bad guy villain group, right? The chain emerged as – I mean they were there mm -hmm. in that first episode, Burnham and um, Book are fighting the chain at one of their exchanges. 
but it wasn't clear who they were. It wasn't until Osiris showed up and killed Orion Justin Bieber that we really understood that, okay, the chain is actually going to be the compelling force that stands against the Federation here. And that the emergence of them basically made this conversation of the splinter groups just go poof because we were like, okay, we gotta focus on the chain now and Osiris in particular. We've we've talked a lot about the emergence of Osiris character and how we would have done that maybe a little bit differently to care about her more. I think the most compelling thing about this season still is the conversation between her and Vance. And I think it added so much to the lore. It was not an action set piece. It was very much a battle of minds. And I want more of that in season four. I think this federation and its motivations are so complex that putting them in a place of negotiation and making these episodes more TNG style talky. And I'm not one of those persons who's like, I want another season of TNG. I'm not like that. But I think it gives us so much of a place to explore the human element of the of, of the post-burn world, how these admirals, how these captains have been living their lives and the worldview it's given them. Maybe we find one of these splinter groups and explore what it means for them to come back to the Federation because they're maybe not sitting at a table talking just like this. But I, I want those human conversations, that complex philosophical discussion, because that was so great with the sire showing up with the chain and then getting that it wasn't just like pew pew we're gonna shoot him down and that's it you know we don't we don't talk about philosophy at all mm-hmm. yeah like i i think there's a there's a, a version of of season four uh if we imagine all the uh, quantum possibilities of star trek so we can watch or whatever like where it's maybe the verduration isn't a straight up bad like civilization or whatever it's it is a, a splinter of the federation lost contact have been trying to do their best but there are some fundamental disagreements that we have with how they're doing things or how, how we are doing things from their perspective. And I, I think that there, there's some really interesting like negotiation type things that we, that we could get into. Uh, and I, 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 I'm, I'm interested in the idea of having these sort of like tense moments out of um, essentially where it's the other person isn't like literally Hitler or whatever, or like, like, right. well, I should, I should still get to throw babies in the incinerator uh, because <laughs> like, that's just like part of our culture or whatnot. And like, it, it, like I, I just feel like our, the, they went too over the top with the chain and we, and they tried like at the very end to like give us a mini lore dump with uh, Aurelio of like, Oh, there's like interesting scientific advancements. Like we do, we do right by our people. And we, we like, have been there's so much that we've been trying to do that um a remix of something like that without going as extreme mm-hmm. uh could make for really compelling seasons four and five yeah yeah i think and i, I think some of this is gonna come down to again how tight the writing is going to be because you know bill you said last week how they've they've written both season four and five and they're going to film them together um i wonder what that leaves because i believe even in season three writing there was some there were some people who left the writing team and and there was there was a little bit of churn it wasn't kind of a straight line um either and i i hope that that kind of more consistent writing crew sitting and just knocking out all those scripts at once allows that kind of tighter sense and, and this ability to explore some of these more complex things uh, that, that you were just talking about, Adam. Um, I think the final thing we need to talk about is the family unit that came together 
on on Discovery, Stamets, Calvary, Dieter, and Gray. And I feel like when I read the press release of the fact that Star Trek was going to have their first trans and non-binary characters, I expected that to get explored a little bit more. I'm not disappointed necessarily. Um, I just I think the expectations were set a little different. I think if I if I just watched this season, I think I would be sitting there thinking this is a great again just tee off for us to explore uh, these really complex personal and societal issues a little bit further. And I'm and I'm overall I'm just glad Star Trek is going there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it it feels like a this is definitely Star Trek trying to sort of realign with like where we are now and trying to push the boundaries a little bit. I, it, it felt, uh, I, I think I, I feel similar to you. Like, it's great that we have this now. It, it felt like we were doing it as like safely as possible, uh, this season. And it, and it's, uh, like e- even to the, to the extent of like, it's, um, I, I, I don't know. It, it's like I it's almost like I either want it to that we go deep into this particular topic or that we just have these as characters and they're just like they don't have to all uh, sort of like be in their corner. Like we, we can have like trans and binary and non-binary characters that are just characters in our show and we yeah. sort of like accept them. But the, I, I think Star Trek does need to reckon with its past of like literally not having this at all. So I, I get why we want to like deal with it a little bit, but it, it felt like um, we still, I, I, I don't know. It, I, I wanted something deeper than what we got, but uh, there's opportunities for that in, in future seasons. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I think this is a little bit tangential to the core issue that you guys are talking about, but I think the way they handled gray was a huge missed opportunity I I don't think it was handled seriously or in like a real literary, I don't know, adult way. Like if you imagine, and this is a great premise. It's a great idea, right? Like you have a love, loved one who, who died, but there's still kind of this ghost of them mm. that is like literally inside you or inside your head. And how would you, that would be really confusing. And in, in a sense, it would be really welcome because like, I this is my partner. I miss this person so much, but like, you can't move on you know what if you meet someone new or like you know i yeah uh, they didn't get into any of that you know and i i fear that they're just going to bring gray back to life which i think would be really dumb but <clears throat> i yeah it I, seems like I'm, better I'm than 50 50 that they're going to do that <clears throat> yeah i i fully expect just a holographic gray in season four yeah. and then we just kind of like they can just be together again but yeah like, like you said it would have been really interesting to see like adira dealing with like hey i like there's this person that only I can see, therefore I'm not going to be investing in any of my like other relationships with people, or it's going to actively get in the way uh, of other connections that I'm making. We like made a couple of random references to that in one episode, and then uh, we just uh, shut up, and then we played the piano and, and cello together. And it's yeah, it, it, it I, I I wanted more from Adira and Gray's perspective. Yeah, I, I mean, it seems to me that the main conflict was the opposite, that Adira wanted more of Grey. Or like, well, Grey, why are you hiding from me? Mm-hmm. Right? And I I mean, fine, that's that's maybe the more like palatable way to present it. But I think that the real conflict might have been the opposite, right? Or like, why are you haunting me? You're dead, you know? Yeah, <laughs> let, yeah. let me move on, you know? 
<clears throat> yeah, um, I, I have some feelings on this, but I think I'm going to hold them until the rating uh, area where we can sum up all of our thoughts on season three. I think right now, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with uh, what we liked and missed opportunities. We all want a future that's real, that matters. The Federation gave us the resources and the mandate to solve the biggest, most troublesome problems in the galaxy. And I may question, and I may fear, because the problems often seem insurmountable. But haven't we always risen to meet them? We have work to do. But if things were easy... It wouldn't be worth it. <laughs> huh? Welcome back to Strange New Takes. We're going to talk about what Discovery Season 3 got right next. And number one on that list is control is no more. Uh, we did not have any control. <laughs> yeah. No Leland. No rogue computer. Uh, yeah. And it was it was great. Yeah, we, we just needed to do a little bit of, of tweaking <laughs> of the cinematography in the first uh, episode where we saw the discovery. Like, don't have any dust anywhere. <laughs> like, it's yes, we crashed into the future and like there's lots of bad things, but like someone, the janitor swept this stuff up or we have like in the 23rd century we just like that stuff gets transported out, out of the ship and we don't we don't need to have any vi like visualizations of that like you don't know, remind us just leave it in the past you just reminded me of that character that was mopping up like leland's remains and he like says his name like i have a name and then he never shows up again oh yeah yeah that was weird uh <laughs> yeah right uh Gene? Gene, yeah, Gene. Yeah, I think that was his name. I'm going to check on that while we while we keep going. But uh, kind of odd. Anyway, what another thing that I think they got right was the setting, and we talked about this a little bit. I think the it was it was the opposite of what Star Trek should be, but I think that gives us some opportunities for going forward in in figuring out how a Star Trek like world can be made possible. And I think. Um, they made the future seem futuristic, so it didn't seem like the 24th century. Mm -hmm. We were right back where we started. But it's still relatable. It wasn't like they're all blobs of energy, <laughs> Q people, you know, solving puzzles. Like that that And it's and it's just cowardice. They they we they we need to have the energy being seasoned. Right. Uh, and it's <laughs> So so I, I feel like the setting gave me a it it was it was it it had a mood let's put it that way a vibe and i it, that yeah. came through for me um they never had they never had a a planet of the gluttons where everybody's fine like you know and, and nothing has changed you know uh there, there was no, there was no those discordant notes were not struck i think so so i enjoyed that were there things that you all enjoyed uh the the season got right yeah, I, I agree in terms of the world building. I thought it was really good. It was rich and, and coherent. And uh, yeah, I thought it was great. <clears throat> yeah, because it, 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 it's, I think there was an opportunity for us to just like reboot it into full like grim dark Star Trek and then like not, and like it's just a completely different show. But it, it like there was a purpose for why we went to this future. And, and I just, I think overall it was handled really well uh, in terms of the, the world building and setting. So what what else did this this season get right? What other aspects would y'all point out as like, I liked how Discovery handled X or Y. So for me, I think it's the the bridge crew. We we got to actually have them be characters. Like I we we haven't had like super deep 
dives into any one person uh maybe we got a bit more of detmer and of owo than anybody else but at the very least i i'm getting a sense from this season that they are all their own individual people and they have like disagreements and agree and like good times together and and all of those things and so i i feel like it's been uh it's just been good to see them get a, a bit more fleshed out uh throughout this season and I and I I I I want more of it, but I at, le- at the very least I appreciate that that it's there, and it wasn't just a like we're gonna give a deep dive into Owo right before we kill her uh, type of thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I would agree with all of that. Bill, are there things that you want to call out? Yeah, I think this is the. How do I say this? Like in the previous seasons, um, because of the rotating captains and just the plots and the characters that they introduced it was always like they needed to supplement the core crew or distract from it really uh or have some shiny object guest characters or whatever um and this season they really you know focus in on on burnham and saru and 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 the core crew and their relationships and i think it was pretty good you know, I don't think it was great, but it, but it, but at least they committed <laughs> to the the cast and their characters and and tried to do them justice. I think one thing that stands out to me is the show's treatment of Vance. I think at times it was a little inconsistent, but I don't. I it was still believable. I never thought like, oh, again, they've gone off. And I really, really enjoyed his portrayal as an admiral. Finally, a non-admiral with. substantial amount of screen time and a guy who has a family that makes real tough choices um and and a guy whose motivations are sometimes at odds with one another and and who has to make tough moral stands i really really think they got vance also cast well odette fair was perfect for that role i can't i i cannot imagine someone else like sometimes you hear like oh and they also thought of sydney poitier to play the president in the west wing and you're like that's i i i would have liked to have watched that show but i think it would have been fundamentally different um but i can see it i just can't see another actor playing vance yeah i agree he's he's defined the role and has done it very well he's yeah it's for for me every episode with vance he steals the show or steals the scene anyway i think it's great yeah other other things that you all thought uh this this show got right in season three yeah so for me it was a weird one because i i was so excited to never ever see the mirror universe ever again in discovery and then and so the thing that the that the writers got right is that they proved me wrong they could give me a mirror universe episode two of them and i would i enjoyed it so it, it's uh, like that. There was a reason for us to go back there. We we explored a little bit. I mean, yeah, you could have deleted those two episodes from the season, and maybe nothing would have changed. Except you, you we'd figure out like, wait, was George is George O's? Where'd she go? <laughs> uh, but like the just the, the time that we spent there it felt more useful and meaningful to me than it than the mirror universe has so far in Discovery. And we got two characters who the fans have been clamoring to see, which is Mira Burnham and Killy. Uh, Killy in particular, I thought the, it was great to finally find out what Killy was like. I think uh, it was it also put a put a 
emphasis on Mary Wiseman's performance as the captain of Discovery, which is also something that I thought this show got right. It I thought was not a linear portrayal of a um, uh, a lower rank person thrust into power where they're like shuddering at like every decision and everything is you know hard to do. Like there were moments where Tilly really knocked it out of the park, and there were moments that where her weaknesses were exposed and Discovery got taken over, for example. But mm-hmm. I think I really enjoyed watching her take on that big leadership role, and I think Tilly's arc in general is one that season three really nailed from beginning to end. I could understand at every step along the way, I understood her motivations and the decisions mm-hmm. she made. And there was never a point where I was like, um, this character is going off and doing something pointless. Yeah. And for, for me, it's, it's sort of the season one was, I thought handled Tilly very, very well. Season two, I think was a disservice to her because we sort of, we, we made a lot of progress towards the end of season one and season two sort of went back to like, she's stammering all the time and like says too many words. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I, I agree that, uh, there's just a lot of great building of her character and, uh, yeah, this, I, I think maybe, uh, even of almost anyone this season held, uh, serviced her character best. Uh, another thing, speaking of characters that I think this season really got right, was how they por- got Doug Jones acting on the show without makeup on. It never felt, like, super contrived, and I really appreciated that we got a chance to see it. He is such a talented actor. He is one of the strongest members of the ensemble, and I was so pleasantly surprised that we got so much time of him without his prosthetics on and, and I mean, if you know Doug Jones's history, I mean, just about every, ma- almost every major role he's had has been under heavy prosthetics. And so I just appreciated the writers giving us that gift and it occurring over two episodes and it being done in such a great way. And kind of related to that, I thought Sakal and his portrayal, that whole labyrinth at the end there was uh, was well done. Um, in, in my view, it, it visually it worked. Thematically, the the exposition that it led to the um, the world building that it did for us was fantastic. Um, and then, just while I'm on this note, I'll also just point out the fact that they gave us some complexity with the Starfleet uniforms, where they they, they showed us some bits of the Starfleet's past that weren't mm-hmm. completely fleshed out. And I feel like the Elder Scrolls games do this really well, where you find out little bits and things about pieces of things that have happened before. There's like someone wearing an old outfit or something that hints at some previous thing having happened that you don't fully explore. It just piques your curiosity and it makes the world seem lived in, in a way that, for example, when all of the ships that end up in the Picard finale look exactly the same, it's kind of the opposite of that, if that makes sense. So, so that that was something that I think um, the show did very well as as well. So, any other final things about what Discovery season got right that we haven't talked about already that you want to throw out there? Uh, I mean, just a tiny one. That it's it's nice that we had some sort of tribute ships and uh, just like general naming of things. Like it's nice to to have the USS Nog or the USS uh, Voyager when they could like maybe they could have said like the USS South Dakota. I would not have cared what the South Dakota was doing. Uh, so, so yeah. I don't know. It, it's they're, they're kind of throwaway things in, in some way, but it's, it's nice to have that kind of like uh, uh, sort of reminder of, of where, where we've been and, and tributes to uh, people who have passed away and whatnot. 
I will also point out that this week we got confirmation that the Verubin Nebula was indeed named after Vera Rubin. So that was a, that was actually appropriate. All right, let's let's get back to um, the next section. Let's not get back to it. Let's get to the next section, which is missed opportunities right up there for me. Parasitic Ice. This could have been the big bad of this entire season. Parasitic Ice. Oh no, we thought we'd got rid of it. It's back. And it's slowly taking over the ship again. <laughs> now Starfleet's infected. The whole Federation now is parasitic ice. What a season it could have been. No. <laughs> yeah, um, we, we could have gotten that arc that uh, season that uh, Next Generation never gave us uh, of everyone infested with bug people. It could have been parasitic ice <laughs> that took over the Federation. Yeah. From evil. Yeah. I mean, you, you joke, Notch, but that's basically control. Uh, yeah <laughs> that's why they didn't do it they, they're like, like we've they already done it. the yeah. parasitic ice yeah, it's like, great idea bob but like we did that man if you'd been there last season oh gosh it would have been great uh, the, okay i have joked about this in the previous episode quite a bit but we need to spend a little bit of time on the uniforms the new starfleet uniforms which i am sorry to say i think they suck <laughs> i don't know how y'all feel uh yeah I mean, it's the kind of thing that it makes me feel like the like millions strong against Facebook's like having the sidebar on the left instead of the right kind of thing that was was happening uh, towards the well maybe the entire past fifteen years or whatever. But like, yeah, there's they just they're they're kind of boring and <laughs> yeah. kind of just the. I will. I will. I think at this point, I'll, I'll mention what Emily mentioned last week, which is that they are less. In, the the form fitting factor has been reduced, which is a, definitely a good thing. I just mm. think that the vehicle they've taken to do that, which is this kind of sense of blockiness, it it seems to emphasize the square kind of um, straight lines, because uh, you know that you have those like uh, one side one side is longer than the other in the front on the jacket. Uh, it, it just doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't vibe with me. Yeah, so they're different than, like, the uniform that Vance wears, right? Right. They have that big stripe, because I think it looks fine on Vance. But, right. Um, yeah, I thought I thought they looked kind of cheap, like they were made from, like, foam or something. Uh, and I, I think the gray is also way too light. If it was, like, a charcoal or something, I think it would look look better. They are trying to do, I think, some callbacks to those red uniforms from the TOS movies because you have those, like, straps that come over the shoulder. Right. So there, there mm -hmm. is, I think, I'm kind of curious to see what the Discovery Season 3 style guide looks like, like where they, how they came up with those uniforms. But, again, this might be a thing where we, we're taking an issue with it right now. Three years from now, we're like, we were so wrong. These uniforms are great, and we love them so much. And I have come to really love the old discovery uniforms over time uh and it's not just because i can finally play a cosplay character without like changing my appearance or anything i can just be like uh what's that what's that dude um britain's love interest oh my god how ash, tyler. ash tyler ash tyler appropriately yeah. named south asian man i can i can play him uh and and wear those cool uniforms so i i like him but anyway let's move on i think another missed opportunity was commander nan she just got dropped off on a Barzan ship. Terrific. It's over. Uh, I, I don't know if there needed to be anything else, but it just seemed like, why was she even there? 
Yeah, like I, I'm I'm glad that the actor that portrayed Nan was paid more money, but uh, it would have made more sense to just leave Nan in the 23rd century if we weren't going to do anything with Nan. Hey, I have no reason to be like emotionally connected to any of you. Bye. Enjoy that yeah. <laughs> 100 years in the future. <laughs> well, and, and also to, to just like not like they even specifically asked Nan the question of like, wait, why are you here? And I was like, uh. <laughs> and, and there was some complexity they added to that character. Even in the, in the episode where she meets the family, she's talking about how her family was devastated that she joined Starfleet. There was some good stuff there. Yeah. We, we but... didn't get into any of it. Nope. Uh, okay. Other missed opportunities that you all want to call out? Uh, I mean, I, th- I feel like we've, we've beaten in the ground a bit at this point, but I, I just, I need to give a shout out to, I, I felt like Osira was just, that was, and we don't even need to go into it too much, but just like, it was, it was, she was too one dimensional, had a fabulous second to last episode. And then we just, uh, we could have deleted that episode and no one would have noticed. And it's my favorite episode. So that like, I'm really sad about that, but, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, she ended up as a one note villain. I agree. I agree. Speaking of one note, I feel like you have throughout our time recording reviews of this been calling out how there's been a character saying the same thing over and over again to other characters. Yeah. So Culber, he, I, this is the first season w- that got me so excited. About did, did you see what I just did there? By the way, I was like, you have to talk about this. It has oh, to be it, you. It, has, like... it has to be me. <laughs> 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 yeah. So, uh, Culber has has told every single one of our characters that it has to be them uh, for whatever reason. Uh, 90% of the time, that person is Burnham, uh, while the more obvious character is also standing in the room. Uh, but, like, the, 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 there's still, like, other th- parts of that we've got. Like, we've just also gotten much more screen time of Culber, and it, he's a fantastic character. And and this like the the episode where we opened up and he's he's sort of narrating the of like what's going on like I I have never more wanted like like he he felt like the counselor that we need in in this season and so I I just I wanted him to to be that we got it to some degree but it's just unfortunate that every single line they gave him was it has to be you uh, and then pointed to Burnham. <laughs> unless she wasn't in the room but um yeah so it, it just it i i i'm so excited like if, if if we're gonna give anyone a spinoff i want i want a culber spinoff uh but space doctor <laughs> yeah. yeah i i i don't disagree at all but i i would argue that um that season three had the most culber character growth despite that yeah, and like I feel like he's a much more fleshed out character, and and the way all his interactions are so he's so empathic and they're so emotionally charged, you can, or emotionally relevant. Um, Maybe I, I he think can really says a lot drive. about who he is. And before season three, I mean, he he basically was was just you know Stanit's husband, and then yeah. he died, and then he was like pissed that he came back from the dead, or I mean that was kind of weird, and so. Um, yeah. I feel like they d- d- did flesh out his character a lot more. Yeah. I, I think that's, the, that's a big one for what's next. Uh, I think it's going to be kind of interesting to see where he fits into the crew next year. And I hope that they they'll watch this season. They're like, well, they probably have the scripts written before they watch it. But I hope that they recognize how good of a job that they've done. 
Um, one thing that we, I think, got less of was Earth, but maybe that's leaving the, the door open for the future. Uh, Adam has helpfully written a note here saying that no Star Trek show will ever give us Earth. Couldn't even get it in Picard, so we shall see. Um, yeah, we, we, the only things that we saw of Earth then were more vineyards and more of San Francisco. We saw there was a brief uh, visit to Vasquez Rocks, but... <laughs> yeah, and... Uh, uh, I will point out that I think uh, that this Sahel was a missed opportunity, particularly for how much attention they gave him in that first episode, whether the whole montage of him waking up or whatever, and he's kind of meant to be this uh, motif for the entire season of, for disconnection, and then all he does is come back in the epi- last episode for 30 seconds. Great actor. They've got some great assets there. He's also, I feel like, one of the few char- compelling characters who's, like, middle-aged, who shows up with a compelling storyline, and who isn't, like, in the peak physical form or whatever. And we just didn't go there. <laughs> it's like, where yeah. is this guy? So I hope we get some more time with him in, in the future. Um, any other missed opportunities, finally, before we, we move on? Uh, so I, this, this may be connected to sort of the, the exploration of the bridge crew and, and whatnot, but, uh, Detmer's P- PTSD, uh, I feel like there was a lot of sort of like weird mystery setups for what was going on with, with Detmer. Like maybe mm-hmm. it was control or, or maybe there's like some other like thing that's happening, but it, it ended up being, I'm pretty sure that, that Detmer just like has PTSD and needs to go into treatment for it. But we kind of forgot about that except for a couple of mentions after uh we get the uh sort of scene where detmer is saying like pilots have a problem of being too macho Mm -hmm. and then we we throw detmer into all sorts of like super crazy situations that are like uh seem incredibly dangerous for someone who is just going through a lot of shit and I, i just i feel like we could have there was a, a more compelling way that would have been very on brand for this season for us to d- dive deep into like, how do we uh, get through a really difficult time while also trying to take care of each other and ourselves? Like it's okay for, for us to have someone else take Detmer's shift for a while, while Detmer like tries to come to grips with whatever it is that she's dealing with. I think, I think a lot of these, if I have to pick up a common theme with the missed opportunities is that there was just a short season. And I think with a longer run, a lot of these could turn into, and I mean, with Mm -hmm. the future, they could turn into things that we do explore in more detail. Um, So, so on that front, where do we go from here? What are your predictions for things that this show might explore or where season four will go? What what are your thoughts? Well, it seems like they're going to be jumping around, delivering dilithium to different planets, which sounds like a cool premise to me. So you, are you thinking it's going to be more like TNG or TOS style uh, Planet of the Week? Um, uh, I No, I don't. I think there will still be a season-long arc, but I think that's... I mean, I think there won't be a break. I think they'll just go right into it, right? And um, Burnham will be captain, and they'll be jumping around delivering dilithium and i think we'll learn more about you know the different um parts of the federation or or non-federation planets and what they've been up to um and probably some you know mystery will be revealed that will be the the story arc for season four i'm really hoping that burnham by the way since you just referenced her uh is 
a competent captain that doesn't fall or have any sort of problems. I, I am, to an extent, I think we just need to see Burnham acting like a leader and a really good one from beginning to end. And and this was, they touched on this a little bit in the ready room um, for the final episode where they were talking about just how much of an inspiration it is to see a black woman as the captain. And Sonequa Martin Green was in tears when they were talking about Michelle Paradise was in tears. Uh, Olotunde Osunsami was also the same way when he was talking about the, the scene where they put Burnham into the chair. And I really hope that they, they resist, they've resisted the temptation to write like, and that was a mistake and we all should have realized it. And, you know, Michael Burnham was never meant to blah, you know, whatever. Like, I, I don't want to go there. I, I just want Burnham yeah. to be a Picard style good captain. Like, I don't need her to be like righteous like Picard, but I just need her to like get it right every time, uh, personally. So that's, that's where I'm hoping we go. It's good. Yeah. I, we had a great fan theory actually be tweeted at us, uh, and I'm going to pull up Twitter real quick to make sure I give credit where it is due, uh, which I will in a second. But essentially, this person said Saru could be the new Federation president. And I thought that was a great idea. Um, this was, it was given to us by Ricardo Lundi, who's at Ricardo DPM on, uh, on Twitter. So what do y'all think about that? that? That would be cool. I mean, they're going to have to figure out some creative thing to do with Saru. Um, and I hope it, I hope it's cool. Yeah. And, and I, I like the idea of it sort of promoting him into a position that doesn't, or like, we're not forced to think of this weird, like love triangle of like, am I the captain or are you the captain that we've been just playing around with for way too long? Like yeah. it's, it if we, and, and, and actually, I could see uh, Saru being a really compelling Federation president. And maybe we actually get to see something that the Federation president does as opposed to, like, get... Did I'm trying to remember. Was, were they assassinated in, in, in uh, Star Trek VI? Or is it almost... They tried. They tried. They, so they that, tried yeah. to. So, but, like, we've never... I, I don't know that we've had a scene with the Federation president except for, like, a couple of throwaway things like that. Where it's, like, it's important that they're the president, yeah. not not an actual thing that they're trying to do. I, th I think it's compelling because it allows us to explore Kaminar through his relationship mm -hmm. with that planet. It allows us to explore his relationship, the chemistry he had with the president of Navarre, because that's diplomatic relations there. I think it also allows him to be in a role that is actively in touch with Discovery, because if it's this ship traveling everywhere, mm -hmm. then the Federation president needs to be consulted on a lot of stuff. And like you were saying, it doesn't take away from his abilities and make him kind of this character who had to take a step back or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I I really like this theory. I hope that's what they've yeah, worked in. I don't think so, but we'll see. Um, on a similar line, though, I'm kind of curious where Navarre goes. I, I think they hinted at the fact with the fact that the, pre the president showed up in that montage at the end that there's going to be some substantial time spent on that. I think that could be really compelling stuff. Yeah, and and actually, uh, that is a that's been an open question in Star Trek for a long time. The idea the idea of how we sort of connect these two cultures, and I I think has a potential to be uh, extremely relevant for like today, where yeah. we if if so sort of like what I was wanting out of Star what I want out of Star Trek is like, hey, there's some bad stuff going on in the world today. How do we how do we like reconcile ourselves with people that we fundamentally dif disagree with 
on like even on like basic cultural like normal everyday things and uh i i think that navarre can can give us a is a is a really interesting place for us to explore that you you're what you're hearing right now is the sounds of the discovery writers running to their script and tearing up the one where osiris uh, best friend incites a crowd of chain people to take over Starfleet command for a few hours, and then they slowly get nabbed by Section Thirty One. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, you're, I think you're absolutely right. I think in terms of like what we need to hear, in terms of it making sense, re- having relevance in the world around us, it's some some messages of the difficult questions about unity and where pragmatism and, and idealism meet and i hope mm-hmm. we get some of that i hope they explore it i think the discovery crew uh, writing room has been willing to do that more so than some others uh enterprise season three i think stands in stark contrast to a lot of 90s trek in its in its portrayal of real world events and willingness to ask very difficult questions so yeah i hope we get that um we're gonna obviously deal with the chain and figure out what happened to them i don't know if i can hazard a guess i think it's too enticing a entity not to go into some detail same with the klingons uh we didn't get a single klingon in this season yeah i i i mean i yeah so i i expect that we'll we'll get some klingons uh in the future i i think i was completely fine not exploring them this season though because i i as we've already said like there's too much going on right now and i think Star Trek writers have too much of a temptation to just like talk about honor for 50 minutes whenever we see the Klingons and uh it'll be interesting to to see if there's a different bent uh cuz is is it the are the Klingons allied with the Cardassians? I I forget who is connected to to them oh, or is it man. just the Klingons by themselves? Uh, I I felt like there was some sort of interesting empire thing that they set up but it wasn't It was on the map that Vance had um that, that he put out there. I'm going to go look this up right now. I, I wonder if when we do meet the Klingons, they're going to look like the TNG Klingons and the cold crews will be like, what happened? We don't talk about that. Um, and, and we get one of those. And but... then they can do a story arc for half the season to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they should do. Oh my God. No, don't do that. <laughs> um, Cardassian zone and Klingon zone. They're separate. So they're not okay. So, but but there is, there's also the Ferengi territory that's clearly mentioned on the map. So we've got some, we've got some, some lore to explore over there. Any other guesses that you'll hazard about what what's going to happen? All right. Well, don't don't stick your neck out too much right now because you're about to do it even more, <laughs> giving this season a rating, strange new ratings. Where do you see Discovery season three as a whole? I, I give it a seven out of ten, maybe seven and a half. Seven and I thought a half. it was good, I, an improvement, but um, you know, I st- I still think with Discovery and with Picard too that they're grappling with how to transition to be like a prestige drama and do serialized storytelling, and haven't quite gotten the formula right yet. Okay. Um, I am gonna. I, I have a very tough time with this. I think I'm going to give it a. Oh, man, it's so tough. I, I started out talking today thinking I was going to give it a 7, but I almost want to give it an 8. 
Uh, I think I'm going to. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Because I, I want to watch the season again. I think a lot of this rating is going to be influenced by what comes next. Because a lot of the pieces they put on the board, how they're used. Um, and that might influence me in the future. But I think 8 out of 10 for me. I th- I think I also am going to go for an 8. There's some temptation to give it multiple ratings. Uh, but uh, maybe I'll make things a, l- a little bit easier for uh, when Notch is going to be like publishing a... Of the full our full data set with lots of statistical analysis on like how each of us have been feeling about every episode but like the i i i i guess i want to like call out the like that i feel like star trek has a purpose again in this season i think that there are a lot of things that they kind of flubbed and just didn't get quite what they were supposed what they were trying for but i i feel like there's a um there's a reason why I might want to convince someone to watch Star Trek as opposed to like, hey, do you like science fiction? What if you watched this thing that has lots of other series so you can watch a lot of stuff? Like, I, I want, like, I felt, like, at least growing up, I feel like I'm a better person, like, more ethically because of having lots of Star Trek in my life. And I, I feel like, this is sort of getting back into that. Like, I feel like there's a message that they're trying to give us yeah. uh, in this season. And I think it's a, it's an important one. And so I I think that it, in some ways, like they deserve an eight, even though I kind of feel seven <laughs> or six and a half. <laughs> yeah. In some ways you're like, well, this could have been a lot worse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, we know that. Yeah. We do know that. Um, <laughs> You know, it occurs to me, we haven't talked about David Cronenberg's character even once today. Um, And before we leave, perhaps that is a dangling hook about who he is and what his role is. Is he just like the head of Section 31? Is he the president? Um, He showed up briefly in the finale. Right, exactly. Um, So so we'll find out uh, more about that. But hey, uh, Bill, Adam, thanks for being here today. I do appreciate it very much. And uh, we will see each other again next week when we talk about, we're, dear listener, we've come up with some thematic stuff that we are going to talk about um, with you. We're going to take you through some Star Trek series, uh, various episodes. We've got themes uh, among them. Just as an example, we could do something like best villains. We haven't picked what the next one's going to be, but we're going to do that. We'll tell you each week which episode it's going to be on. You can go watch it, and then you can... Um, enjoy the episode recap with us uh, every weekend just like you have it's, been so far it's all about garrick we're changing the podcast to the garrick show and we're just <laughs> going to be covering garrick for the next year strange i, mean, new I was garrick. a fan of strange new yeah strange new garrick is what i was voting for so uh, <laughs> we're, we're gonna have to discuss that a little bit more so all right we'll all right we, we will do that with our co-hosts and come back to you um thank you to emily anirudh to dinah and max wherever they are um, Thank you, Notch, for uh, heading this ship the whole way. Uh, yeah, it of has course. To be you. Yeah. Uh, thanks, thanks. I'm glad I did not have to go off and get busted down to, you know, chief science officer before coming back and taking over. <laughs> Uh, my writing was more consistent on this show. So um, thank you, listener, for sticking with us through Discovery Season 3. We do appreciate you being there. We also appreciate Jishu Guha recorded our theme music. He's got a podcast named Geek Fruit that you can listen to if you so wish. And special thanks to Programmable Matter. 
uh, the difference maker between what seems to be the present and the future. Uh, the, the lack of legs on the furniture, the lack of stuff connecting the nacelles, really a critical element in saying this is the 32nd century, we are in a strange new world. So thank you Programmable Matter for making that happen. We shall come back next week with a new series of episodes to review. Take it easy everybody, goodbye. Bye. Bye.